Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yo! Welcome in to the House of L podcast. I'm Lawrence. Thanks so much for hanging out. I'm having fun doing these like midweek podcasts about kind of whatever I want. And I usually bring a guest on, but today I just figured I would just go it alone and talk about something that has been on my mind over the last couple of days. And I thought House of L might be the best place to, to talk about some of these things. If you listen to me on the score, or if you watch me on NBC Sports Chicago when I worked at NBC Sports Chicago, talking about the Bears, you kind of know what my feelings are about the Bears quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky. And if you don't know what my feelings are, my feelings are this. Going all the way back to the 2017 draft, I felt like it wasn't a reach for the Bears to draft Trubisky second overall. There were multiple people who had him as the top quarterback. I was not one of those people, by the way, that had him there. And yes, I am going to relitigate the draft, but only so that you understand where I'm coming from in this particular episode, okay? To me, the issue was never about where Mitch was drafted. The issue was whether or not the general manager did his due diligence in looking at other possible quarterbacks, specifically Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. And the failure to do that because they were blinded by whatever it is that connected them to Trubisky. Yes, the Bears had people who were scouting Deshaun Watson, but there's a difference between going to a pro day and having your general manager sit down and talk with the person who's supposed to be your franchise quarterback. The fact that they didn't do that is troublesome to me. And it always has been and it always will be. The problem with Mitch is that he gets the brunt of that. He gets the brunt of the decision-making that went on by his boss because his boss held him up as being it being so clear-cut that the Bears were going to take him that they never even really considered the other two quarterbacks. There's a, a video from the Bears. You can probably still find it if you Google it, of – Ryan Pace talking about the consensus, like going around the room and pointing at his scouts and saying, we all felt this way about Mitchell Trubisky, putting the onus on everybody in the room and not on himself, like not primarily on himself. Like this guy had him as the highest quarterback and this guy, 
And and it just is now that you look at it in retrospect, it makes everyone in their scouting department look bad because if there was a voice of dissent, that person wasn't allowed to actually dissent on video. So you have that part of the equation, which is problematic on a lot of different levels, and I'm not going to completely go over it. But so I, I just again, I want you to understand my point of view of where I'm coming from in this particular episode of the podcast. Then you add in the draft capital that was traded to move up one spot. And this is where I do get a little bit angry with pace because let's say that you were ranking the quarterbacks. You and you had you had done your due diligence and you legitimately thought that Trubisky had the highest upside of the three guys that you were con- considering of taking at number three. That you're like, okay, we got it. Trubisky, Mahomes, Watson. Let's say that that's your list. And I would assume that that's the Bears list because of what they did in not wanting to sit down with Deshaun Watson and actually doing a sit down with Patrick Mahomes. So let's assume that it was Trubisky, Mahomes, Watson on their board. Fine. I actually don't even have an issue with that. I think that they've clearly been proven wrong. But mistakes happen in scouting all the time. The reasons why mistakes happen in in scouting is a deeper discussion that I think is important to have. And I do think that there are issues with inherent bias that allow that allows Ryan Pace to see himself in Mitchell Trubisky, but does not allow him to see himself in Deshaun Watson, and that's too bad. So, okay, you've ranked your board, and you've decided that Mitch is the better pro prospect. Cool. What becomes unforgivable for me is you wouldn't have been happy if you ended up in a position to draft either Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson. I don't understand how on any, any scouting service or draft board that Mitch could be so far ahead of those other guys that it would then require you to trade draft capital to move up one spot. People who defend Ryan Pace will often say, well, you know, he he had conviction, like in the video where he's talking about the conviction. He had conviction. And because of that conviction, he had to go get his guy, whatever the cost. That's a bad way to do business. There should have been contingencies that were in place that, oh, okay, we don't know what San Francisco is going to do, but we're planning on taking Mitch. But if Mitch isn't there, we feel really good about the other two quarterbacks considering their resumes and physical um, expectations in the next level, which were both, in my opinion, in, in, in Watson's case, it's his resume far exceeded that of Mahomes and Trubisky. And the physical skills of Mahomes, I think, far exceeds Mitch and 
is ahead of of Watson. I st- I'm going to give Watson a little bit more time because I think he's close, and I think that he's got uh, he doesn't have a lot of smart people around him in Houston because he traded away the best receiver in the game. But that's another podcast for another day. So you trade the, the draft capital to move up one spot to get the guy that you want. You then don't tell the coach that that's what you're going to do. You also don't tell the quarterback that you gave $20 million to in Mike Glennon. He gets blindsided at a draft party, at your draft party, because you want to be Secret Squirrel. Okay, fine. After that, we saw Mitch come in after Mike Lennon shit the bed. He wasn't very good. He didn't look like he belonged. He probably doesn't belong on the field in the NFL. If you want to keep him in a quarterback room, fine. But he doesn't belong on anyone's field. If he's playing, then something's gone horribly wrong for whoever your team is. And then... What happens is, is we, they, they look at Mitch and they say, all right, we're not going to ask him to do a lot. He only played 13 games in college. There's still a steep learning curve that he has to. So we're going to kind of make him a one read quarterback. And he was good enough to, to, and he had some athletic flashes that were good enough where you went, oh, maybe there's something there. The season goes badly. The coach gets fired. Sidebar, I don't like John Fox. I think that he's a bit of a con man. I had heard from people in Denver, oh, you know, he's the nicest guy and and all this stuff. And then he got here and it was just, I don't know if it's because he had been burned in other places in dealing with the public and dealing with the media, but I don't, I don't like the guy. And I want you to understand that before... I tell you this next point. It's possible that John Fox didn't want Mitch because John Fox is a really good defensive coach. And he had seen the tape. And maybe he was like, I don't think this guy can be next level. All of us assumed at the time that it was Fox and his offense that was putting the handcuffs on Mitch, I would offer to you that perhaps they were right in their assessment of him and what they were trying to do was maximize the good that he could do. I offer that up. Think about it. Let it swirl around in your head that maybe John Fox and his history of coaching said to him, I don't think this guy can do all the things that a winning quarterback can do. And definitely not in your rookie season. Like, that's that's a difficult thing for, for anybody to pull off unless their name is Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes. So Mitch starts those 12 games in the 2017 season, and it was seven touchdowns and it was seven interceptions. A passer rating of 77.5. To put this in context, and this move, this number has moved up, usually if you're sporting a passer rating of around 90, 
you're good. Although that number, it looks like it, the average is, if you look over the last couple of years with the way that offenses have evolved, that number has moved a little closer to 95. When you're assessing quarterbacks, you look at the average being around 95 and say, if you had a quarterback that was above 95, then you had yourself a good quarterback. So let's look at 2018, the season where people got really excited about Mitch. And it, it actually perfectly illustrates my point. In 2016, Mitch had a 95.4 passer rating. You know where that ranked him in the NFL? 16th of qualified quarterbacks. Right smack dab in the middle. But okay, like for a guy who then has a new coach come in and is able to complete 68% of his passes and throw for 67% of his passes and throw for a little over 3,000 yards. Not bad. I, I would definitely say it's not bad, and he didn't really turn the ball over that much that season, so it wasn't bad, and it was a reason for hope, and the Bears went 12-4, and four, and you know that part of the story. But... While passer rating is an imperfect stat, and I readily admit that, had you talked to me about a quarterback who had a passer rating of 95.4 five years ago, I would have told you, man, you're in good shape. But now that that has changed. To, to illustrate my point, again, Patrick Mahomes in 2018 had a passer rating of 113.8. He was second behind Drew Brees. Deshaun Watson... 103.1, he was six behind Rivers, Ryan, Wilson, Mahomes, and Breeze. Okay, so there's something to build on. And I, I don't I don't begrudge Matt Nagy for saying, hey, we got something that we can build on and we can go into the 2019 season feeling really good about where our quarterback is. I think that that's a completely fair way to look at Mitch's season. Even if we're just looking at the statistical aspect of it. Now there's stuff on tape. And I implore you to go back to, and I've talked about this on the air before. The the QB camp that Gruden does or did for ESPN before he came back to coaching with Mitch in there. All of the things that are still problems for him in the NFL are explained and exposed. Where him dealing with zone defenses is problematic. And we saw that in the 2019 season. By the way, the passer rating story still tracks. If you look at Mitch's 2019 season, he completes 63% of his passes, 3,100 yards for him. His passer rating is 83. 83. I told you that 95 is kind of the middle now, right? Guess where he ranked in passer rating that year? He ranked behind people like Jameis Winston and Sam Darnold and Joe Flacco. He was 28th in passer rating in 2019. That brings us to today. So now I've, I've given you the entire 
well, not the entire story, but as much of the story as I don't want to inundate you with a ton of numbers. I want to get to the point of what I'm going to say next. And the point is, people look at Nick Foles and say, wow, that guy, he was a Super Bowl MVP. He had that great season where he started off super hot and was, what, 22 touchdowns and two interceptions for Chip Kelly. When the Bears made the move to bring in Nick Foles, and again, you're trading draft capital for a quarterback and then guaranteeing you know $20 million to that quarterback to be here for a while while Mitch is sitting here. Granted, you have to do something to address the quarterback position. You have to. You have to do that. This would be a really good time for me to tell you, by the way, before we get, get to our, our our whole thing here that I'm going to bring up. The reason why you clicked on it would be a good time to tell you that we are brought to you by the fine folks of Mazda of Orland Park. If you're looking for a unique car buying experience, you should check them out. And I love that they have jumped on board with us. ZoomZoomNation.com is how you can... Check out what they've got going on and find a Mazda for you. Please support the people who support this podcast because that's what keeps the lights on, so to speak. We are also brought to you by the fine folks over at Homeside Financial, our buddy David Hochberg. You can find him at 56david.com or you can call him 855-56-DAVID. So if you're refinancing a home or if you're buying a new home and you're trying to get funding, you're trying to get lending, this is the person that you want on your side. He helped me with both of my places. And when I need some financial literacy stuff figured out, he's the guy that I go to. So, Homeside Financial is an equal housing lender, NMLS number 1124061. Okay, let me get back at it. So the Bears decide that they want to bring in Nick Foles. If you look at the coaching staff that they have put together, all of the coaches that they've brought in, whether it's Bill Lazor, John DeFilippo, these coaches have worked with Nick Foles, including Matt Nagy. Even the offensive line coach, Castillo, has, has worked with Nick Foles. So it sets up like, oh, well, the Bears are completely moving on from Mitchell Trubisky, and here's your sign. Here it is. They brought in this guy who's got some bona fides, and 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 he's going to come in and and save this offense that Matt Nagy has been trying to tell you about. Let's talk about what happened with Nick Foles in 2019. He got hurt, but even when he wasn't hurt, he wasn't very good. If you look at his numbers, and and we've been using passer rating, right? And it's not a huge sample. It's four games. But his passer rating was 84.6. His career passer rating is 88.2. You want to know what Mitch's is? 85.8. They're not that different, except it's a big thing, and I understand people who feel this way. Except for what Foles has done in a relief role 
when asked. He has been clutch. Like, if you believe in the concept of clutch, he has been that. And that five-game run that he went on with the Eagles a couple years ago was simply amazing. And he deserves every accolade that you could throw at him for the way that he performed in those moments. Does that mean that he's a better quarterback? If you're asking me to, to choose, like I got to win one game, I'm probably going to roll with Foles in a, in a one-game win-it-or-go-home because there's an actual track record. In fact, in head-to-head, in a win-or-go-home scenario, Foles won and Trubisky lost, even with him trying to rally the team at the end of that game. I understand that point of view. I respect anyone who wants to use that as here's here's the reason that he should be a starter. I'm here to tell you, and this is the face turn, after I've given you this entire case against Mitchell Trubisky, the entire, I have sat up here like I was Johnny Cochran, giving you the entire case against this man. And now I'm going to tell you that if I were the Bears, I wouldn't be so quick to just throw him away this upcoming season. I don't think that it's a given that Nick Foles just wins the job and runs away with the job. The problem with the Bears this season is all of this stuff is crazy. And I think that if you, if no matter who wins the quarterback job, I think the other guy is going to play. And I wouldn't have to talk that long to convince you that that's the case. What does that tell you about both of those quarterbacks? If I said to you, at some point this season, Mitchell Trubisky is going to take snaps, you would be like, yeah, you're probably right. And what would you cite? You would cite Nick Foles' history, his injury history, and ineffective play when he's the number one guy. I think Foles is better in relief than he is as a starter. I know that I'm mixing sports metaphors here. That doesn't mean that Mitch got better. That doesn't mean that Mitch magically got better. I do not believe that, that he magically got better in the offseason. But I'm more willing to believe it's possible that there can still be improvement in him as a quarterback. I still think that there is room for growth, and it's a matter of whether or not he can actually do it. Now, here's my issue with Mitch. It's clear that he works very hard. It's clear that he's a good teammate, and I think to a certain extent a good leader. Like Those guys, they haven't betrayed him, and there were opportunities for them to do that. That says something to me about how a guy responds in the locker room, whether or not guys see that he's putting in work. You ask the guys about Jay Cutler. They'll tell you about his talent. They won't tell you about about him being the best teammate or having the best work ethic. With Mitch, you have that. I've made this analogy before, and I'll make it again. Mitch reminds me of a student that you give assignments to, and he does them. He does. He get, gets in the homework on time, but he doesn't grasp the greater concepts of what it is that you're trying to teach. Now, to be fair, 
some of that might be on the teacher. If you're not getting through to a student the way that you want, maybe a little bit of that is on you. But he strikes me as the type of student that got A's because he did his homework. Not because he had the bigger picture or was able to think in a more abstract way that's going to allow him to fulfill some of his potential. And maybe there isn't anything there. One more thing I want to mention about, about Mitch, like as a guy, and I don't know him. I think I've done one interview with him, one like press conference setting with him. The fact that he was willing to go out with Sam Acho and Allen Robinson and Jason Hayward and Israel Adonijay and be out here in these streets to be in Inglewood, to be on the south side, to be on the west side as the starting quarterback of the Bears, I put that as a major point in his favor. Not saying that Nick Foles wouldn't do that. I expect that Nick Foles would. But Mitch knows how this city feels about him. And the fact that he's still willing to go and be a part of things that are important, I I fucks with that, as the kids say. That's good. I wish that the people who were covering the Bears would ask him about that. Because it's something that he he's clearly passionate about, and we should give him room to speak on some of those subjects. And him being willing to lead in a public forum like that tells me that he's willing to lead inside that locker room. But the question comes back to, can you get the most out of him? I'm here to tell you that when I looked around at the rest of the quarterbacks that were possible, and I don't think that many of them were possible for the Bears to bring in, if you went out and spent big money on Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater was going to start. If you went out and spent big or little money on Cam Newton, Cam Newton was going to start. And I wonder if there is any regret that the Bears have that they they weren't able or or weren't willing to wait on Cam. And maybe they could have gotten Cam without giving up draft capital and they could have gotten him on a one-year deal. And it would have allowed you to figure out what you were going to do with Trubisky. And if things didn't work out with Cam, you have a clear direction on what you were doing in the draft for next year. Tom Brady was never going to come here, but if Tom Brady were here, obviously he's going to be the starting quarterback. You have questions about Nick Foles, and you can't tell me any different. Of You should. You should absolutely have questions about Nick Foles. If I were Mitch, and the Bears make this move for Foles, even with everything that they did, even with them bringing in these coaches that have worked with Nick Foles before, even with him having played in a similar offense. So it's not that hard for him to pick up the terminology and the concepts of what they want to do offensively. Even though they gave up draft capital and they paid him a lot of guaranteed money, he's the one guy that was out there and talked about that if the Bears signed him, that if I was Mitch, I would go, okay, I can beat this guy. I may not have the upper hand. He, he may be the guy that is in front of me, but I can compete with him and I can beat him. I can't beat Tom Brady. I can't beat Cam Newton. I can't beat Teddy Bridgewater. I can beat Nick Foles. 
So now I find myself in a position where I'm kind of rooting for it. Yeah, me, the guy that's been 20 minutes telling you the entire Mitchell Trubisky story. I'm kind of rooting for him to win this. I, I don't know if that means that I've done a face turn or a heel turn. You have to decide that. But there's a part of me that goes, if he doesn't beat him, this is his last opportunity to kind of assert himself as like a an alpha type quarterback. Sure, he could go the route of Alex Smith and find himself years from now. I'm not sure that that's in him to do, but I'm I'm actually rooting for him to win this starting job. And I can make an argument right now and allow me to do so. The Bears start their season this year at Detroit against the Detroit Lions. If you look at what Mitch has done in three games against Detroit, it's hard for me to see the argument the other way where you should start Nick Foles. Mitch has destroyed Detroit. In every game that he's played against them, he's destroyed them. And I know that we're talking about sample size. There's three games in here, but still. When you look at his numbers, it says you should start him. The numbers that I'm talking about. So Mitch has played in five games against the Lions. Remember, I'm thinking more of the Nagy era where it's three games with Matt Nagy. But even with the five games that he's played against them, Mitch has completed 70% of his passes, thrown for 1,400 yards, 11 touchdowns, four interceptions, a passer rating of 106.3. Let's put that into perspective since we've been using passer rating a lot. There are three teams that he's going to play five or six games against, right? Lions, the Packers, and the Vikings. Against the Packers, he's completed 61% of his passes, has a touchdown interception ratio of four to three, has a rating of 80. Against the Vikings, he's played six games. He's completed 62% of his passes, two touchdowns, three interceptions, and a passer rating of 72.5. So of the candidates of games, of division games, a team that he can dominate, he can dominate the Lions. Are you actually giving yourself the best chance to win the opener if you start Nick Foles? I'm not sure that you are. And I'm rooting for Mitch to get the chance because I want to see Matt Patricia yet again play man defense against the Bears and watch Mitch light his ass up. I don't know much about quarterbacking, but I do know this. If there's one thing that Trubisky can do well, make throws against man. Look at his work against man. He will find Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller. 
He will find them on those crossing routes when those guys can get lost on defenders. He will throw more accurately, understanding where to go with the ball and understanding his progressions. So as this goes on and we talk more and more about what's happening at training camp and who looked good and who didn't look good today. Today was Mitch's day and today was Foles' day. I'm here to tell you that I'm rooting that 10 gets an opportunity to start the season. I don't think he finishes it as the starter for one reason or another, but I think that he should get the first shot unless he is an absolute disaster in training camp. And if they were willing to start him after the training camp that he had last year, which wasn't very good, I don't see him being worse than that this season. So that's my plea. I know. I know. I know you're sitting here like, wait, have you done a 180? Not entirely, but yeah, I there's I'm rooting for Mitch. There, I said it on this very podcast. I'm rooting for him. He says he doesn't have anyone in his corner. Well, I'm in your corner, Mitch. Me and you, baby. I'm in for 10. Let's go. I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. By the way, this podcast is brought to you by Homeside Financial. My buddy, David Hochberg. 56david.com is how you can check out the website. 855-56-DAVID. That's the number that you can call. Call them. If you're seriously, like if you're thinking about doing something with your house, hit them up and tell them that you heard about them on the House of L where Lawrence was talking about Mitchell Trubisky. Homeside Financials, equal housing lender, NMLS number 1124061. And we're brought to you by the fine folks at Mazda of Orland Park. ZoomZoomNation.com. Go buy a CX-5 from them. 708-444-3200. If you're not following me on social, you should be at Lawrence W. Holmes is where you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I don't know how often I'm going to do stuff like this. I actually, I, I'm lying. I'm going to do Bears postgame stuff on House of L. Like I'll do, I took it away last year. And quite honestly, that was a, a terrible business mistake by me. So I'm going to put like my full post-game pods back on House of L after games. And there'll they'll be a little bit more Bears content on House of L this year than there was last year as the podcast continues to grow. Sometimes it'll be just me sitting in front of a microphone. Sometimes I'll bring guests on. Like I had Brian Perez. And I, I think you should go back and listen to that episode it's a couple episodes ago where we talk about Bears training camp and talk about Nick Foles and, and talk about Mitchell Trubisky. But, yep, your boy is in the tank for 10. We got to come up with some sort of slogan. So, if you have an idea, I think in, in for 10 is good. But if you have an idea, email it to me, houseoflpodcast at gmail.com. How ridiculous was this? This is great. I gave you, like, hardcore, like, football stuff, right? But also nonsense, which is kind of the point of the podcast in the first place. We're in for 10. If Mitch heard this podcast, would he think that I was actually a fan of his or like the person that hates him the most?
These are things I need to think over. Thanks so much for listening. Hey.